Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Okay, welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg. I am so psyched to be here always, but I'm really psyched to be here this week for this episode with Trey Burt. He's just an amazing dude. We had a great conversation. If you're here for the first time to listen to me and Trey chat, uh, welcome to the Roadcase community. And if you are a returning listener, welcome back and uh, really happy that you're here again. Thanks for your support. I'd like to remind everybody that a great way to support this podcast um, is to follow us on the social media platforms. Uh, We're at Roadcase Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Another great way to get involved with Roadcase, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions for guests, you can email me at info at roadcasepod.com. I appreciate everybody who sent in emails to date. And uh, thank you very much for that support. And if you send one in, I promise I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, You can also visit our website, www.roadcasepod.com for more information and uh, things such as where the best place to listen to this podcast, um, which you've already found out. And uh, while you are there, uh, you can um, you can subscribe to Roadcase on that uh, listening platform. For example, if you're on Spotify, you just hit that little box that says follow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, you can go up to the upper right-hand corner, just hit that little check mark. And while you're there, if you can rate and review Roadcase, that would be great. On Apple Podcasts, you just scroll down a little bit, see those stars, just hit a bunch of them, and you can write write a review. That really does uh, a, really a lot to support Roadcase. So if you love what you hear, uh, please do write a review. Really appreciate that support. So this week, I've got Trey Burt on the show. Trey is just an amazing human. Uh, Really love chatting with him. His latest album, You, Yeah, You, was released on August 27 of last year on John Prine's Oh Boy Records. It's his sophomore effort. Trey just came off the road where he was touring with Shaky Graves in the fall, and he debuted at Newport Folk Festival last summer of 2021 to huge accolades. Uh, Trey has written uh, very personal songs and very beautiful folk songs, and he's also written several uh, really intense protest songs, including Under the Devil's Knee, which he wrote in response to the murder of George Floyd, a song which gained him, gained him notoriety on the national level. Uh, Trey is an engaging and fascinating artist and guest and has a slew of amazing stories, including tales of busking at an early age uh, in uh, BART Station in downtown San Francisco, uh, which he even left his job at San Francisco International Airport in the middle of the day when he had a four-hour break to rush downtown, busk some more, and then come back. Um, He's worked several menial jobs uh, at SFO, uh, worked at UPS, and he was even working at a movie theater in San Francisco when uh, he learned 
that he was picked up by John Prine's Oh Boy Records. Uh, that was late 2019. And in Trey's words, that was life changing, as you can well imagine. Um, he's going on on tour shortly. In fact, as of the date of this recording, um, <clears throat> it's this week, February 14th, he starts his tour in San Francisco and it includes national dates with Andrew Marlin. It's Watch House uh, had Andrew on the show in late um late last year if you'd like to listen to that episode you can check that out and then trey heads to europe in mid-april for a two-month tour which includes um uh dates in sweden spain france all over the place it's just amazing uh really psyched to share this episode with you thanks so much for everyone to everyone for being here and for your continued support of road case and i want to send a special thank you to trey burt for being here on this episode of road case and here we go Hey, Trey. Thanks for coming on Roadcase, man. So good to see you. How are you? Man, I'm good, Josh. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, dude. So we're doing this interview a couple weeks into 2022. Um, how are your holidays? <laughs> I, I spent, them, uh, spent them alone, which is because uh, uh, I just moved to Nashville. Oh, okay. From Sacramento, my hometown. Mm-hmm. But um, I grew up not really celebrating holidays anyway. Ah. Oh. My my folks, they were Jehovah's Witness. Ah, mm-hmm. so I didn't celebrate Christmas or my birthday until I was like thirteen years old. Um, wow! So I didn't really I didn't really mind missing missing the holidays too much. I don't really feel it like everyone else feels it, you know. Ah, okay. So it sort of got that mindset kind of. Well, I heard you talk once about how you weren't wanting to do birthdays, but you kind of thought. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the, what I got from that is that you sort of thought it was bogus a little bit, like not celebrating the day of your birth. Uh, I thought Christmas was, was weird. I thought that we didn't, the fact that we didn't celebrate Christmas was weird um, because uh, it just seems so harmless. You know, you get presents, mm. to chill. I, I watched all my friends get presents every year. Yeah. A little left out. Like, yeah. It was just the presents thing. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted, you know, just wanted some uh, comic books. Right. Um, so spending it alone sort of, was this the first time you had done that? Um, no, no, I've, I've done that a bunch, I guess. I think about mm-hmm. it. Alone yeah. in the sense that like, it, it kind of feels more alone since I'm in an empty-ish sort of house right now. Mm-hmm. Nothing's really in it. So it feels especially alone. But, yeah. Uh, alone, not lonely. Oh, dude, I totally get that, man. I'm like, I, I'm single, dude. I like my space. I like where I'm at, you know? And, um, yeah, I did. I, I, um, I happen to travel a little bit during that time, but also during the holidays, you know, just spending some time alone, alone, but not lonely. That is a, I, I fucking love that. I've never used that. I'm going to use that now, Trey. Yeah. Cause, cause the two are not synonymous, right? Not at all. Right. Right. Well, what does that mean to you alone, but not lonely? Um, well, I guess it's, you know, there's this pressure that, uh, you have to be around, I, this comes back to the whole birthday and the holiday thing that you have to yeah. be, around, um, people or exchanging gifts or something or else you're not doing it right. Which creates a lot of pressure, you know, Yeah. to, 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 it's like this FOMO or something. Um, but, uh, I don't see anything wrong with being, being 
solitary or, you know, I have a good time. Builds, uh, builds character for sure. Right. And uh, if you're a songwriter, having that quiet time, I suppose, is a, is, is a good reflective time for you, or does that kind of even kind of, I, I have to, yeah, I have to like be alone, especially when uh, you, you're in a transitional phase, mm-hmm. like, like moving different States and cities. I, I definitely need to, if I know what's good for me, like be alone for a couple of weeks to figure out, what the what the fuck's my my body's doing you know what what it's saying yeah interesting let them, like, let them settle i guess kind of like sort of trying to be more meditative about it that's the hope mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes you know um i mean i do get fomo like everyone else sometimes from time to time. yeah but um you're only human i'm only human <laughs> I think someone's probably said that before. Um, how are you like, so how long have you been in Nashville? Shit. Two months, two months. Uh, uh, how are you liking it so far? It's cool, man. Yeah. It's, um, I guess I'm lucky in the sense that I knew, I knew a bunch of people here before. Mm-hmm. They're all, uh, more or less acquaintances, like people I see on the road or at festivals and shit like that. Yeah. So, so it's cool. Like, being able to go deeper into those acquaintanceships. Yeah. I definitely see you in the Nashville, in that Nashville world. It was, I've, I've, I've been a couple of times and it's just like, see, I, you know, me not even being a performer, I see people that I've seen at shows or I've seen like, you know, you go to a street fair and there's, Oh yeah, I, I know. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just run into people that, you know, from music. It's amazing. And it really is music city. Uh-huh. I see you fitting in there really well there. Um, I hope it works out really well for you. Have you found it to be uh, inspirational from that um, perspective at all? I, I think so. I think like in the sense of seeing people I admire do what they do so well, like on a frequent basis, mm-hmm. that's inspiring. You know, when I listen to a good song in general or watch like a, a good documentary or music documentary or good performance, I always get a little inspired. So uh, in that sense, yeah, it's been inspiring seeing from like a business, like I got to go to work perspective, seeing what other people are doing. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it's work. I wouldn't say like business per se. I'm not, I'm not the most business minded person. But I kind of meant by that. I, I said that that came out and I meant like work, like, you know, your own work, your own personal work and, and what you do. Yeah. The work like with a capital T, you know? Yeah. 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 NW maybe. um so uh from sacramento originally man i got i have family well i used to have family in san francisco my mom was born there and i had grandparents there and would visit it constantly when i was a kid i was a i I grew up in la but i was like total bay area kid for holidays and things and my kids my 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 parents would send me up there i spent so much time in sacramento my sister lived in woodland for quite a while so i'm familiar with the area um yeah what was that like growing up there for you it's all I knew. Yeah. It's hard to say. Um, I, I spent half of my childhood going back and forth between Sacramento and uh, like the Bay, the Bay area. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause my parents were divorced. And uh, okay. My dad's place uh, every other weekend. Oh, uh, who your dad lived in the, in San Francisco. He lived everywhere around uh, <laughs> the area. Oakland, Hercules, Vacaville, uh-huh. Vallejo. Hayward. Right. Yeah. So oh, okay. It's kind of just bumping around. 
not too far from you at least and not too far seems from each other all those places that you just mentioned are kind of within like a 20 30 40 mile radius 50 mile radius yeah it felt pretty co- coherent yeah 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 did you have a hard time growing up with divorced parents i'm a i'm a child of divorce as well um like looking back at it looking back at it i, I could definitely see how uh, it's affected me now i guess in some ways um then mm-hmm. i was pretty you know i was pretty carefree i didn't really i was always just kind of watching what happened i didn't really um you know get too involved with other people's problems i guess yeah it felt that's what it felt like it felt like it was something they were doing not something that was happening for you know to me per se yeah, I think it's a common notion, like just being in, just being <clears throat> taken along for the ride, kind of. Maybe it sort of has some negative connotations, but when you're a kid, you're just like you're on for the ride, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So was your family musical at that point? When did kind of the music um sort of kick in for you from in, in um like something that you thought you might be able to do yourself? Oh, like a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow pretty late bloomer huh still working that one over man yeah really really good answer good answer but when you were a kid like what do you remember when do you remember like singing or picking up a guitar or whatever i remember my grandpa got my brother my older brother joey a bass guitar for for getting good grades and i was probably like 10 mm-hmm. seeing an instrument up close and personal like that. yeah but when he opened the case and you see this Fender bass, you know, it just looked looked fast like a car or something, you know. Right. So I think that was the the first the seedlings. Yeah. Of, uh, hey, that looks kind of cool. Right. So just pick up the bass or did you start playing guitar? No, um that that came probably a couple years later when my brother again, uh I, I oh me playing guitar entirely to him. Mm. That's what he, he did. You said he was older? Yeah, he's he's five years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a guitar. Mm-hmm. This cheap guitar that he got from Mexico. One of those little, you know, um, little yeah, side. Like, you mean like Fenders that are made in Mexico? No, man. It was, <laughs> it was like a $20 guitar and it had like little pipe, um, what do you call it, little fuzz balls on the, on the, on the bridge. It was really cheap. But, uh, <laughs> He brought that home and put that in his room and I stepped on it on accident because it was underneath all of his clothes and shit while he was at work. Right. Um, Ouch. Yeah. I felt really bad about it because, you know, I didn't know it was cheap back then. Uh, mm. I thought, you know, the thing probably cost like thousands of dollars or something. Right. 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 No concept yeah. at that point. Yeah. Right. Um, but when he came home, I thought he'd be pissed at me and he wasn't, he was really empathetic and, when he got a new one, he, you know, kind of showed me how it worked. He just mm-hmm. told me, you know, brush my thumb against the strings. Um, and that was my first time playing guitar and I was transfixed. Really? Hearing the vibrations of, uh, you know, it's it just foreign. Um, Cause I've heard music all my life, but I didn't, I guess, realize the process of, you know, what, what makes the sound. Never put that together until then. So rubbing my thumb on those strings, I'm like, okay, this is what makes the sound of music. Yeah, yeah. 
Ah, so you 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 connected the the sound with that kind of tactile sense of this is how you do it. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, my my yeah, I, I also like grew up. I'd say with my grandparents raising me um, as much as my parents did, they lived directly across the street and my dad's side of the family is the reason why we were Jehovah's witness at the time. Mm-hmm. My grandparents come from the South. Um, and my grand, my grandpa's dad was a blues musician and, and he, he kind of mm. looked, looked down on musicians, um, like very much like they did uh, in, in, you know, turn of the century with, secular church music being God's music and blues music being the devil's music. And I kind of drifted over into his generation and his idea of being musical. So I didn't, um, I was hidden away from, I guess, not uh, like, I feel like most kids grow up in music, the Beatles and, you know, all that shit's just like right there in front of them. Yeah. It was hidden from me until, until later. So what the connection with your, so I wanted to understand a little bit more. So your great grandfather was sort of um, looking at music in, as a, in its purest form and not connecting it with something evil, like, or something that should not be celebrated, which is the way the religion dictates or something. I I don't want to misquote any kind of religion or anything like that. I just want to understand a little bit better. My, my great grandfather was, um, was a blues musician. He was a yeah. pianist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh I guess walked out on his family, man. So um, you know, that that was a big big thing in my grandfather's life. Um yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Wow. He only he only met his his dad once when he was 13 years old. Holy shit. Um because my great grandfather Samuel, he he followed the jazz renaissance up to Chicago, Harlem. Mm. So my grandfather, you know, wasn't really crazy about uh, any of his kids being musicians. Gotcha. Gotcha. He loves it now. Yeah. He loves it. You, you, were, you started out by saying they lived close to you and that had an influence on you that was a little bit different because they were not necessarily from the religious side of the family. Did that kind of help you um, nurture within you that the, your love of music and kind of the potential direction that you could go? Yeah, sorry. They were the reason of uh, okay. the religious part of the family. They're, they're really religious. They are still. Oh, okay. Um, but... Uh, yeah. So no, no, it didn't foster that side of things. Okay. So how did you get out of that eventually? How did you escape from what must have been some pressure that you had to not either enjoy music or or kind of move yeah. in that direction? I wouldn't even say because your and, and your your brother came. Was it your brother? Yeah. Totally. You guys yeah. Sort of teamed up and like we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, he had like you know punk punk bands. Uh, he started playing in high school and in the garage um and he was you know the og rebellion he paved the way for my own anarchy uh, nice so um cool is he a musician now yeah 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 uh not so much as he was back then he's still he's a creator of music right okay all right and you guys are close yeah he's my he's my uh, he's half of me right on right on well 
being in, in becoming a folk musician, there are so many different kinds of structures that you operate on. And there are um, so many, there, there's such a tradition out there, but I've, I, in the research that I've done, I've happily come to the conclusion that you are creating your own lane and it's just fucking amazing. And I, and I, and I love what you're doing. And um, despite everyone's comparisons with the, the, the folk greats, the John Prines and Bob Dylan's, I, I kind of see that as just, well, yeah, it's that genre, but clearly you're coming from a different place. You're talking about different things and you're lucky enough to be an amazing storyteller and be in this and, and to be able to do what you do without necessarily being compared. I hope that's the direction where, where we, where you end up. Um, yeah. Um, when did you first discover folk or when did that sort of begin to happen for you? Was it more of an organic process or I know you've talked about being a storyteller and that you're, your 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 family background was very much of a story tell from sort of a storytelling tradition. Um, yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit and how that played into the role that you you know currently fill? I was always like really interested and in, really enjoyed writing and reading in school, and um, I think that secured my like love of language and stories. Um, by the time I found the acoustic guitar. Uh-huh. Um, and like I said, I wasn't raised listening to folk music, you know, the when, when are, are you rubbing, you're rubbing on some kind of microphone over there or something that oh, made yeah, it like ridiculous. That? Yeah. Try not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Just my incessant OCD. Um, so yeah, by the time, by the time I did find folk music, I, uh, I had this really like wild eyed, take of it i mean I, I i couldn't really sonically compare it to something in my head um by the time i started getting dylan comparisons even back in that stage i had no idea who that guy was oh, interesting um, but uh i think somewhere around you know like late high school junior, mm-hmm. senior year um something around there i was familiar with uh with his with his type of work and things like that, you know, I, I felt like a little camaraderie. I'm not gonna lie, because you know he, his voice kind of sounded. Oh, sorry, I'm doing it again. Yeah, that's okay. I'll give sounded, you one more chance, Trey. Then you're out of here. <laughs> you know, it sounded it sounded just like a person talking talking their 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 emotions. Though. Yeah, I was like, hey, um, I can't sing either. <laughs> 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 yeah, you can, man. Yeah, you can. Um, you've got a you've got a phenomenal voice. Um, I guess I was thinking, how did it take you until high school? For certainly, people must have been coming up to you before then and going, "Oh, the, yeah, what, what Dylan? What's your favorite Dylan song?" No, no, no. Really? Uh, that's so. That's 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 interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's it's really funny um, to you know see things play out the way they do now. I wish people uh, had a had an insight into that. I guess I don't really like to feed that fire too much, just because I'm, you know, people people love comparisons. They they just love. Uh, I guess it's easy to compare something to something else. So yeah, yeah. Do do you not like the com- any comparisons? I don't mind it. You know, I, it's totally natural. I feel like um, uh, I'm just not really interested in it too much, just because. 
mm-hmm. that already happened, you know? Yeah. 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 Understandable. Um, but, uh, yeah, I remember in junior year, my, my English teacher would give me the last five minutes of class to play a song. And at that point I was writing songs of my own. Or, um, um, and that's, that's kind of where I first started performing. Yeah. In those last five minutes of class. Mm-hmm. But, uh, sorry, what was the question? No, it was just about the, the comparisons and Dylan and I, you know, um, you know, it's, it's like people are comparing to, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of like a genre. Yeah. Okay. He, you, you tell a story and you talk it in plain language and you talk through a situation and, and in a very directed fashion. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a bad comparison, but that's what you do anyway. I wouldn't say, oh, just like Dylan. I mean, I, I don't want to like completely separate out myself from those great folk storytellers. Um, uh, but you um, let's let's talk a little bit about your life, uh, about performing early on. Um, I, when did you st- I, I know you, you you get a lot of questions about your busking, but it really is sort of it. I kind of look at it as a as a tradition being out. Uh, in front of people. And of course, um, I love live performance. And I love when I've, I've had several artists on here who started out busking and um, or have busked in the past. Um, I talked to the guys from the Head and the Heart who used to busk at below at Pike Market in yeah. Seattle. And I spoke to Jonathan Russell right after, you know, like a six months after they performed on the roof of that Pike Market to 30,000 people. So those sort of juxtapositions are, are, are amazing. You know, you wanted to perform um, clearly you were doing it for money. I've heard your story, your, your funny story about someone that gave you a grand once, yeah. but what was your, what did you go out? How did that start? And what was your attitude towards it? Did you like it? Did you, or, or did you not like it? Did you do it, do it just to make the cash or what was your thinking? Yeah. You know, uh, busking again is one of those things where I, I did it before I realized that, uh, it was an actual thing that other people just do. Also, <laughs> really? you didn't see anybody else out there. No, I mean, I, I'm pretty, I guess I grew up pretty like not really thinking about what other people were doing. And, uh, that has a lot to do with, I guess, how, how I, uh, you know, got to where I am now out of yeah. ignorance, I guess, really. No, I love that, man. You do what you do, you know, but it started out because, uh, Let's see. When was the first time I busked? I think it was, I I went to, I went to San Francisco state university for a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, you know, that was like, that was my time to dig in and go watch musicians around the big city, you know, and see how they, they did stuff. So Mm -hmm. I would sneak in the clubs and bars and, and watch people, uh, perform and I wasn't old enough to play in a bar myself. So I would play at the BART station, um, Powell BART station. And it was a double-edged sword because it was also like be, uh, a form of practice getting to uh, see how you sing or how you play, mm-hmm. uh, how you get people's attention, things like that. So the first time was just because I wasn't old enough to, to play in the bars yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what, what was your, uh, did you enjoy the reaction that you got? Like, uh, give me a good story. Like what, what was, what was it like out there? I loved it. I loved it. It was, uh, 
horribly frightening. Even now, like the idea of mm. going out and playing on the street. Um, like more frightening than like playing, um, playing a venue now? Initially, initially. Mm. Or was it just because it was early in your own development? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I love that feeling of like what's going to happen. And uh, I've, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Or, or, yeah. Or, you know, a person could get stabbed across the street while you're playing a song. It's just this this uh, environment of, of chaos. And I think um, I felt comfortable in that, even though as, as afraid as I was to do it, you do it for like an hour and um, you just start to feel part of the environment around you. Uh, mm-hmm. of it. And um, it's interesting seeing people's reactions, you know, like accepting you as an object in that environment. Um so yeah, I guess it's it uh, just interesting to me that something that wasn't there can be soon just a natural part of the environment. Yeah, um, yeah, and you—it's kind of a good strategic place because you sort of have a captive audience for like five minutes. Totally, yeah. Right, right. Uh, that was that was half of the half of the fun is finding the right the perfect spot, you know. To, <laughs> um, Powell Street Station at rush hour is a decent spot for to, oh, like, yeah. to at least get people's getting exposure. I know now buskers will put like the little Venmo QR up there now. Probably maybe you were doing that too then. I don't know what year this was. No, man. I just I just had a just had, you know, the traditional guitar case open. Yeah, yeah. Sort throw, of thing. throw a five in there for right off the bat of your own. Oh hell yeah. Yeah. Yep. Throw a couple bucks in there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the QR code was, I don't think that was a thing yet. I love that, actually. I like it. I don't have to dig around in pockets and I can just like, and you can say, you know, you can comment too and make it personal and then they know who you are, which yeah. may not may or may not be a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was addicted to it. Like I worked at San Francisco International Airport. Um, oh, shit. Sorry. Oh, that's cool. Hey, I'll, I'll call you back. I'm, I'm doing an interview. Uh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, okay. <laughs> uh, that was, right, uh, cool. We're going to keep that in too. So that was Nicole Atkins. Hey, Nicole. Oh, Nicole. Tell her I said, hi. Will do. How do I get back to where I was? Uh, you started up in the interview or no, yeah. oh, you're, I can see, I can see my reflection in your glasses. There you go. <laughs> okay all right we're back right um, um so you were talking about sfo yeah i work i work at sfo and in, in that place man they run that place like like a like a like a chain gang it sucked oh um, really but i remember yeah and i, I would work these long hours every single day from four o'clock to you know sometimes two o'clock in the morning four o'clock in the morning to two o'clock in the morning the next day and still not have enough to pay my bills right I, I figured out how to use my time the best and when I had a delay, like a four-hour delay in a flight, you're not supposed to do this, of course, but I would leave the airport, uh, take the Muni back to Powell's BART station, put on my clothes, and busk for like two hours. Oh, no kidding. I'd make some money and then get back on the, on the, on the BART and, you know, <laughs> go through all the security go- doors and uh, be back there for the, to bring the plane in. What? I, yeah, I, I was just, there was a point in time where I was just obsessed with busking not stop nice nice that's a great story man so wait did you ever get caught doing that or what finish no. that one for me no, no you got you 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 were continued to be able to do that 
I ultimately got fired for a drug test. They pick you up. <laughs> they, pick you up. they pick you up in vans and pretend like they're taking you to another gate. And once you get in the van, they'll be like random drug test taking you to the office. For like weed? Yeah. Um <laughs> Well, yeah, if you're fixing people's planes, man, I don't know exactly what you were doing. You were doing the, the critical steering navigational mechanisms on the right. plane. But I was just, you know, like bring, bringing planes in. Sometimes I'd tow them around. Um, but that oh, made, you're that guy with the cool batons that are yeah, just doing man, the thing, man. Cool lightsabers. Yeah, that's like the um, coolest job on the ground down there. I love what those guys do. It was cool, yeah, driving all those little weird vehicles around. Yeah, a lot yeah. Of fun to read. I guess it gets old, but like air, air, air travel and aircraft are fascinating to me. Yeah, man. Like talking to the pilots and shit, you know, they always have some great stories. to tell. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, yeah. So you've worked some regular jobs and, um, what about, uh, early touring and playing? Like, um, what that look like for you? When did that sort of, when did you step over into that world? I know you did a lot of DIY, your own management, your own setting up your own tours and such. What did that look like for you? And when did that start? Um, that was, that was right after I, uh, was working at the airport and I got kind of like quit that before they fired me. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> The preemptive quitting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just took off my badge and said, I'm sorry, man. Uh, I quit. But anyways, um, right at that time, my dog died. Oh, sorry. With rest, rest in peace, Wednesday. Yeah, sorry about that, Winston. Yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, Wednesday. Wait, yeah. your dog died on Wednesday? That was your name. Oh, that was... <laughs> okay. I wanted to make sure I understood that correctly. <laughs> can't, can't remember the day. But, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. And I think it was like that, that kind of like jettisoned me. I, I just felt like I had to s- start moving somewhere. So, um, it was a Craigslist tour. I, I, uh, went on Craigslist and hit all these places up and pizza shops and things like that all up. Really? Up the Pacific Northwest. Um, um, played at a campground, you know, for, for little, uh, little camp there on the way there so it was really like you know i'd say yeah it was incredibly just diy and uh you know nothing fancy whatsoever what what so what kind of time what time frame was that what year was that do you remember it must have been uh that must have been 2000 2012 uh-huh 2000 yeah about 2012 so it was a busking, busking slash like you know wherever else I can play that any any place that would have me open mics things like that. Right, interesting. You know, pretend to be my own manager. You, you have to, you know, these are things you have to do when you're. Right. Well, pretend to be your own manager. You were your own manager. You didn't have to <laughs> pretend, dude. Yeah, man. But I, you know, I would do things like um, have fake email addresses, um, pretending to represent me or things like that. Or else people wouldn't give you the time of day. Interesting. Oh, so yeah, you weren't really. So was that because the venues were not willing to deal with you directly? Like they just didn't trust that. Yeah. It's the same thing that you you see today. You know, um, promoters want to know that. I don't know. It's all about getting bodies in the room and selling tickets and things like that. Yeah. Uh, They won't really do that unless uh, you're, you're somebody. Um, Right. 
and there's a lot of that going on everywhere, but also also here in Nashville. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't I didn't really like to play that game. Yeah. So, what did that look like in terms of like what was your situation like logistically? Just jumping in a car, you and your guitar, uh, an amp, some equipment, uh, and you just driving from spot to spot up and down the coast. Yeah, you got it. That was is I slept in my car, my my uh, Volkswagen Jetta. Um, yeah, the back decent decent car though. Decent car, man. Um, Marvin. Got you up and down the coast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no amps or anything. I just had my acoustic guitar and ah. Um, would I had a like a a little uh microphone that came with an Akai tape recorder. Uh huh. Oh, jeez. High tech. Yeah, man. And I duct taped that like right next to the sound hole and it had this four foot uh, cable. Oh, man. This keeps getting better, dude. <laughs> man, I, I miss that thing. Yeah. But again, I had no idea of how a concept of how, you know, how to do it or what other people were doing. So I just kind of did it. And were those were those experiences kind of like the first time you were you played in to in front of people intentionally? Besides, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. in a venue, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I mean, there, there are periods in time in Sacramento and in, in, uh, uh, junior high school where I, I, my first show was at this yogurt shop, uh, outside, you know? So I guess, you know, here and there I play at cafes and things like that, but uh, mm-hmm. this is my first time like saying I'm a performer, I'm a songwriter and I want people to hear hear these songs yeah 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 it's so interesting because that's kind of like that's the folk ethos um and you're writing these incredibly personal and amazing songs um tell talk to me a little bit about how you feel to say those songs and sing those songs and perform your works when there's other people in the room versus into a microphone in a studio environment Hmm. Completely different. Um, yeah. You're, you're, you're playing to like, um, a collective unconscious when you're, when you're playing in front of people, it's a living organism. Yeah. Hopefully if you, if you do it right, uh, somewhere, somewhere soon you you tap into the heartbeat of, you know, the collective heartbeat of the people in the room and you can feel it, you know, that, that, that you're in there. You can feel the, the beating um, as opposed to, you know, recording. That's something uh, that's, yeah, that's something I'm still figuring out, like finding my comfort level and um, how that is, you know, my, my interest is growing towards more recording now these days. Like, uh, uh, you know, I'm really getting interested in production and things like that, but mm-hmm. um um, what was I saying? Well, more so um, <clears throat> when you're talking now, you've talked about a lot. Well, well let's, you know, we'll talk about race and the impact that it, that it has like every day for you, but in your music, it's had a particular compelling uh, impact. Um, you, you released a single under the devil's knee in 2020 talking about George Floyd um, also by the Jasmine. And I'm probably missing several other songs almost on the majority of your songs, but to, to say that in front of, in front of individuals, I mean, we're kind of jumping over timelines here because if we were talking about your early tours, um, but to, 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 
to express those the you know the personal nature of your songs um in a folk tradition to a room full of humans and living mm -hmm. and breathing was that reaction something that um was good for you what was that what was the impact of the reaction that you'd get singing those songs to others and then getting a response yeah i mean i feel like i feel like people get a little uh get get it a little blurred because yeah i do i do have songs about um i guess wait I guess race but um to me i, don't, I only have a couple you know there's uh yeah name them on one hand um um but i i feel like i get that rap because they're pretty potent songs they, they really are <laughs> It's but, not a bad, it's not a bad rap. They are there, but, but not, not only those songs, but other, you know, just songs from a personal nature. What is that like for you? Yeah. Sometimes it can feel a little exhibitionist really. Um, mm. but that's <laughs> also a part of the freedom is, uh, uh, playing these wildly personal songs to, to people. It's like, um, voyeurs. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it could, it's my same interest in, uh, how the characters in the songs I write about this sort of voyeurs and that um, I hope people find interesting when they hear me sing them, um, you know, peering into to somebody's uh, somebody else's life. So um, uh, how does it feel playing those songs in front of people? Yeah, I mean, it depends. Sometimes I'm angry when I'm singing them. Sometimes I'm my heart's just broken. Sometimes uh, I just feel like hearing that melody. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I just like the way they're sung or the guitar. It changes. It's not it's not one thing. Yeah, has your perspective on particular songs changed vis-a-vis -vis reaction from an audience that you've gotten? Yeah, yeah. So you know, I remember one time uh, I was on tour, shaky, shaky graves. Right. That was just like this last fall, right? Yeah, that was that was this last fall. Mm -hmm. And I played under the devil's knee somewhere in like Montana or some shit. And this guy comes up after the show and he's like, "That's a good song, brother, but uh, I'm gonna give you some advice." Oh. All right. What's up? Right, yeah. Right. Hold on to your hat. <laughs> he's like. You gotta, you gotta recognize where you are when you play a song like that. Oh shit! And I was like, well, I do. That's exactly why I played the song here. Um, so you know, people like that just reminds me that yeah, I have to play that song. I mean, um, if I feel like it, everywhere I go, because people aren't used to. Um, hearing people sing about those sorts of things. Yeah. Reinforcing the idea that what you're saying is important and, you know, let's, let, let's say it. What, how did that, what was the result of that conversation? How did the, how the rest of that thing go? <laughs> I don't really like to entertain people like that too much. Unless like, yeah, right. I mean, after you called security, what, how did that conversation go? <laughs> he wasn't a bad dude. He just, uh, that's, he just felt like, um, I needed to hear what he had to say, which is uh, wrong. I just walked away. Um, no, I don't really yeah. do situations like that longer than I have to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we talked about not wanting to be compared to others, but you don't have a problem with comparison to John Prine, and I'm not judging with that. That's something that you you take a lot of pride in, and he was incredibly informative and important uh, model for you. And then you're 
your first album um, was uh, was picked up by Oh Boy yeah. Records and uh, with John Prine giving you shout outs and they, they re-released it as well. What kind of impact did that have for you? Well, I don't mind the Brian comparisons because that's someone I know, you know? Yeah. And John is more than... John Prine is not just John Prine songs. It's a John Prine ethos. It's his personality. It's mm. his disposition on life. And that's something I really uh, gravitate to and, and relate to and cherish. So when I get those comparisons, uh, you know, I just think about the it's a philosophy. Um, John Prine's state of mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know we're, we're so we're, we're fast forwarding because we're covering a lot of ground, but to have been recognized by him and then be on his label, that's, that's an amazing achievement. What did that feel like for you? Um, I'm still thinking about that. It, it, <laughs> it's otherworldly, man. I mean, to have one of your absolute heroes uh, say, I dig what you're doing and kind of like pick you out of obscurity it's um it's an immense sort of uh gratification and gratefulness and uh humility you know it brought yeah. me to a place where it wasn't only validating um i also had to kind of like struggle with imposter syndrome as well in a sense for a little while um feeling like i wasn't really deserving of um what i was being offered but yeah. uh once you get over that, you're just left with humility and um, just gets really fun after that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And happened sort of on a timeline situation, just to kind of step back a little bit, it happened at a really good time for you because it happened like, I think that was in the fall of 2019 ish. Yeah. Um, fortunately that occurred before, well, that occurred before the year of COVID of course, which was sadly um, when John Prine passed during that year, um, from COVID. Uh, so I didn't mean it like that. I meant that in terms, it was a great boost for you 2019 going into 2020. You're like, Oh, and not being able to perform, but being, uh, mm -hmm. having been, uh, accepted into the, the Oh boy records family, et cetera. That must've been a, a great feeling and really kind of buoyed you during that COVID time. I would assume is that, would you, yeah, agree was, with that? Uh, when, when, uh, when I got that call, so to speak, I was working at a movie theater in Sacramento. Um, and that was like late 2019, late-ish 2019. Uh, yeah. I just absolutely hated my, my boss there, man. And uh, at that point, I, you know, people would come in and um, uh, recognize me from, you know, in, I was just so embarrassed of working there and uh, hated it so much that uh, I would pretend to not be my, <laughs> not be me when people asked if, you know. <laughs> that always works <laughs> <laughs> you'd be surprised no 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 i mean that seriously that like people are like oh okay i had it wrong yeah yeah all right so when when i got that call i was like fine finally i can just go be me um yeah uh, so yeah. another job another job that you just you, you quit and just walked out that day or i was a horrible employee yeah um but you were working in a movie theater, like what, like taking tickets or something. And then when you, and then this, this occurred. It's the oldest, second oldest movie theater in Sacramento called tower theaters. Um, ah, okay. Cause tower records is from San Francisco too. I think I know that corner. What? It's from Sacramento. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, there was uh, a Tower Records at the. Is that the corner where there's a Tower Records also? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yes. I know where that is. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was stoked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Go, yeah. Yeah. Go be myself and right. uh, full time. Yeah. So, um, that was a real transitional moment. I mean, you had produced that you had put together that, the, um, caught it from the rye, your first, um, LP album. And, uh, and then you're still working in the movie theater and then this occurs and that ostensibly changed your life. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that. Yeah. Um, well, there was so many traumatic events that occurred in 2020 and that you documented one of them and under the devil's in your song, under the devil's knee. Um, you had what I was really impressed with. First of all, that it's an amazing song and it, it brought me to tears listening to you play that song. Um, and then you got these reactions. You got an amazing amount of attention for that song. And one of which you were on a, uh, on a zoom panel during quarantine with some high level luminaries from the Kennedy school of government at Harvard. Uh, what sort of, what impact did it have to get that level of attention from that song for you? Um, it was weird. Yeah. Because of the nature of the song. Mm. Um, I didn't want any attention from that. Um, I wanted to draw the attention to what was happening to Breonna Taylor, um, George Floyd, um, in general, yeah. bring attention to, you know, uh, a root of this, of this country. So getting that attention, um, you know, it was kind of uncomfortable, I guess, in a way, but I, hmm. I, I, um, I guess I figured I had to, I had to do do it in order to get the message across. And it was very, uh, uh, I mean, I felt honored to be in a panel with Dr. Cornell West and to be recognized, you know, by Harvard Kennedy school for something like that. Um, so I just had to pretend like, or get myself out of the way as much as possible and think about the message, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think you achieve that by singing about it. It's not necessary. I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's not necessarily about you at that point. It was about the song and what you were saying, or did they treat you kind of differently on that call? Is that why you're, is that what you're sort of reflecting on? Yeah, man. Like I'm no scholar or anything, you know? Uh, Right. (laughs) Right. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't really have any business being there to me um so uh it's just kind of funny man i didn't watch the zoom but so what did you have to say i saw i saw brief snippets and you did play the song during the zoom call right yeah uh they they played the song i was just kind of sitting there starstruck watching watching cornell west do his thing and right uh, um i just talked about the importance of i guess my job was to talk about the importance of, uh, uh, I guess, politics and in, in in art in general. But to me, um, you know, art is inherently political. Uh, mm-hmm. I call myself a political songwriter. I to me, it's very normal to sing about things like this. It's inherent in the structure of art. Um, going, you know to be a, an objective sort of opposition to, to, to what's happening. 
Do you feel a responsibility to tell you, tell stories when you see a story that needs to be told? Depends. I mean, it's, it's, no, I'm, I don't feel like some, you know, superhero who's like, I need to go sing about this and save the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just depends if it, if it affects me in a certain way where I feel like I have to. Right. Uh, but I never look at a headline and, and say, I have to do this. I, I know when I know, you know. Yeah. What, what, <clears throat> what strikes me is the blunt nature in which that you talk about it, you know, and I, I kind of, getting to know you a little bit better. I, I, I get that vibe um, that you just want to call it out as it is, but you have a beautiful poetic nature in your, in your storytelling. And it, it's, it's compelling from a melodic standpoint, just talking about a song, but it's clearly, it's also very compelling and important from its content perspective, but the way that you state it makes it so it's so put forth in a very plain way that there's no, there's no sugarcoating what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the language that you use makes it even more kind of emotional and compelling. That's I guess, it. I, guess I just wanted to say that to you. <laughs> appreciate it. No, yeah, I mean, if you want to, if you want people to listen, then you have to figure out some way to hip, hypnotize them. So, yeah. I mean, try to, at least that's and to do that. It's, it's with uh, certain words and certain sounds and, um, certain melody, you know, that's, yeah. That, that's yeah. It doesn't feel to me to be very allegorical, I guess. Uh, maybe youth, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, that it, I, I love the blunt nature of those, those, of those political songs and the blunt nature of, of what you do as well. Like just plain speaking about what's going on. I, 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 I really love that. Yeah. I mean, it's like the difference between somebody explaining they're going to punch you in the face and then someone who actually just punches you in the face without announcing, you know? Um, yeah. You just don't think you just, uh, just happens. Just react. Yeah, for sure. Um, you were at Newport. <laughs> uh, yeah. that, that must've been amazing. I had Jay sweet on the show and he couldn't stop talking about you. Oh, well, <laughs> I love yeah. Him, yeah. 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 He's, he's shout phenomenal. Out. Shouts out to Jay sweet. Yeah. Shout out to Jay. Yo, Jay. Um, wow. what was that like for you to be at Newport folk? It was, uh, it was, a uh, a milestone. It was very important. Um, yeah, that was heavy. And it was also a trip because it's, you know, such a historical and prestigious uh, event that's happening in uh, a pandemic, you know? Yeah. So it was just surreal, I guess, really to be on that stage. I had to do a lot of turning my brain off there. And, you know, not only because I'm playing on stages of heroes of mine, um, but also I'm playing those stages with heroes of mine. Yeah. Right. Meeting for the first time, you know, so just starstruck and gobsmacked, you know, in general. Yeah. I could imagine. I mean, you said, I had read, you said it changed your life. How did the, how did it, how did it change your life? Well, once you play Newport folk festival stage, there's a, there's no other stage that you can't play. Mm, Um, That would be life changing. Yeah. I felt like I wasn't afraid to play any, any stage after playing that. Um, that one in particular to me, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Now having, having toured with shaky graves and Nathaniel Rateliff over the fall, you've played a lot of stages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. I couldn't have played those stages if I didn't play Newport folk festival, you know, those stages, the, the idea of doing that was giving me a lot of anxiety. I didn't know how I was going to do that, but, um, I, needed- I mean, the idea of going out with Nathaniel, for example, yeah. was giving you anxiety prior to mm-hmm. knowing that you were going to come to Newport. Yeah, I just didn't feel ready. Mm. And I felt like I was uh, just so horribly inexperienced. And that's just me, you know. I don't think that that was incredibly true, but that's how I felt. Yeah. Did you? Well, let's take that to like um, kind of two pronged. One, when you were at Newport, just to go back to that for a sec, did you feel additional pressure because of comparisons or um, being a folk player at Newport? And what did you feel additional pressure there because of that? And how'd you deal with it? There's a part of me that, that that's aware of what, you know, people, the ideas people have um, of me. Mm-hmm. But um, again, I'm not really interested in uh, those thoughts. They're not mine. Yeah. Those are other people's. So. Yeah. Um, Good. The, the goal, the, the game plan was just to be, incredibly present you know yeah yeah talk to me a little bit about those when you you said that you didn't feel like you were ready to go out in the fall this last fall um what was it about newport that changed it was it because you rose you felt like you rose to the occasion of this momentous the, this moment and at this amazing festival this world-renowned festival uh That's what exactly was it for you trey it felt like I summited Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> and, um, it felt like I was accepted by my peers. Yeah. Um, you know, who I've only kind of ha- have listened to for through my, you know, earlier years and um, kind of only knew on the Internet. And here I am in the middle, you know, of a, a whole festival with them, with hanging out with them, you know, and I think the acceptance I got from my peers and how, you know, the normalization of uh, meeting them as well um, made everything just feel more normal Mm. Um, and more, more kind of like something that exists in this, on this plane, not, not some, you know, fanciful other dimension, I guess. Everything is right here. Um, Yeah. It was kind of the reality of doing it versus, I mean, you could have talked yourself into, I can, you, you were going to do the tour. Yeah. <laughs> you were going to do the tour, dude. <laughs> There's no way around it. Right. I, I was so, going to do it. Uh-huh. Yeah. What you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is that this sort of jump started you into, and it just gave you that additional confidence that, that you needed. Yeah. It was a springboard. That I'm accepted that I'm talking, oh, here I am talking to this guy. I'm on stage with, uh, with with these amazing artists and Nathaniel came out on stage with you as well and uh, another favorite of mine Haley Hendricks she's amazing oh, right yeah. you perform with her how cool is she yes yeah, that's my best friend on this planet really I was just watching her tiny desk oh god she's amazing I gotta get her on the show so she's amazing shout yeah. out to Haley yeah shout out hope I hope she'll come on the show soon um uh yeah so wait I was asking you um. Yeah, so you were doing the tour, but this kind of gave you that level of confidence. It was to go back to Haley, man. Like mm-hmm. she, she, um, I had I convinced her to come, come with me to that festival. Wow. and 
she didn't want to go because, uh, you know, I don't want to say too much for business, but for the same reasons uh, that I had, you know, um, of, of the tours, just this incredible anxiety of coming out of isolation for so long and being in front of people all of a sudden. It's just too mm. much. Mm. And um, it was just beneficial for the both of us to do it together. And again, I, that also, I don't think I could have, could have, you know, done what I did as comfortably as I did it without, without her there when she finally agreed to come with me. Yeah. Um, and that's just like the power that two, two, two friends can give each other. You know? Yeah, for sure. So it was nice to be out there with a friend, but also you were sort of meeting other performers and um, understanding that sort of, what did that feel like to you to felt like you were just being included in this whole bigger picture of artists whom you've admired or feel like you have a kindred spirit yeah. or association with? It was love, you know, it was, it was all love mm -hmm. and respect. And it was just uh, no ego. Nobody had an ego. Right. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to put a, not a name on that, on that, you know, what that does to a person, that acceptance and love and respect. Um, yeah, yeah. Because, again, like, I felt like, I feel like I'm oversharing a bit, but I felt like, you know, there's, again, an imposture and, um, like, um, everyone, I felt like, you know, my in insecurity was like, uh, I felt like everybody was thinking, who does this kid think he is sort of thing, you know? yeah you know, coming out of nowhere like that. And, um, but, you know, meeting them, I felt like, uh, yeah, it just normalized everything. We're all just normal, uh, crazy people. Yeah. You're doing what you're doing. How much did you kind of hark back to the day? Like, Oh, I I've done this before. I've, I've played the fucking Powell Bart station. Man. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. On stage, uh, when I played my, my debut set, that was what was going through my mind. I was hmm. kind of playing the timeline of, of my history, you know, and um, letting letting all that stuff just kind of like flow through what I was doing there. And uh, it helped make sense of it all. Yeah. How do you keep that inner voice from stopping you? And just how do you just keep moving forward in a moment like that personally? You follow the sound of your own voice. Um, that's all you got. Mm. I just follow when I, you know, this, any songwriter when they're playing will tell you this, but when I'm singing, it, it, you don't even see pictures. You, you just return to this kind of primordial soup um, hmm. where, you know, you just stew, you just let yourself stew. You're not doing a task. You're just stewing in awareness yeah meditation yeah when you say the voice is that an actual that's sort of like your inner voice telling you what you can or can't do no it's uh it's this you know this you can see it got a tat tattoo of a hand around my oh, wrist sort of i call it like the dark hand that guides you know it's just like this mm. this thing that pulls you into the future um without without you knowing you know you follow, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to get too out there or anything. No, let's get out there, man. I mean, you follow the, I'm, I'm cool being out there. I can hang yeah. with you. Like, uh, follow the path, follow, let's do hey. it, man. Follow uh -huh. the path that you feel that, that, well, it's kind of a cross between like the path, the, the direction that you're going in 
Um, and but not feeling perhaps that um, you need to super consciously follow that path, but it's a direct, it's the direction that you're going in and accept yeah, that. Exactly. So if you, if you fight it, that's way more unnatural than anything else, you know, because that's the direction you're going. Um, so yeah, you mean, you're, you're saying don't fight it. It's the natural way. Fight. Yeah. 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 Open yourself up to it and, and see where it brings you next. Um, and that will keep you pleasantly curious if you do that. Yeah, it kind of just keeps you mellow and moving and just putting one foot in front of the other and not worrying, not kind of freaking out about the future, not getting into your head too much. Like we were talking about that before we even came on the air. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. Yeah. Right. Everybody's got a flow that goes within them. And it's just a matter of uh, letting it, opening yourself up and letting it do the natural flow versus fighting it. Yeah. You have a strong belief in yourself, right, Trey? Yeah, I'd say so. In my, in my best of times, I do. Yeah, yeah. You have to. Yeah, you kind of do, or else you know the, the gravity of this world will, will will just strangle you. Yeah, and when you say gravity, I mean let's talk about like by the jasmine. Um, that kind of documented something that happened to you personally. Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly the racial issues are affecting you personally in a way that I can't even fathom. Um, so, uh, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's curious to me that, um, I'm born in this body. I didn't choose to be in. And I guess the kind of, you know, like observer part of me watches, watches that sort of phenomenon, you know? So when, when, when I am treated different, differently, um, as much as I am experiencing it, I'm also watching it, and I find it incredibly interesting hmm. that we're born into these suits and that there's kind of like Dr. Susie and sort of leeches and sneeches sort of thing going on. Where, yeah. Um, so. Um, well, when something like, so if there's some, you know, horrible, shitty instance that happens because of the color of your skin, you know, God forbid something like that happens, but it has impacted you uh, at least on one occasion that I know of that you've written about. Um, how do you come to a level of, um, of what's your level of recognition of that? I was just born into this body, had no choice, but people are still judging you by the color of your skin in these instances. And that's fucked up. Yeah, um, it's complete acceptance of of what is what is happening. I have no other choice. Kind of like what we were talking about. Um, I'm not going to deny my my own reality, mm. uh, and I find I'm very prideful of my identity. Yeah, but when I'm singing and go 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 about to write these sorts of songs, it kind of starts off from a place of uh, anger, really. Mm. And then I kind of tr try and channel that anger into uh, something artistic um, that other people can observe as well. Yeah, clearly you have, man. Clearly you have. I mean, you but, face challenges that I can't even comprehend. Yeah, sure. Um, I think more importantly, it's, uh, it's the human condition of it all. Um, mm. To begin with, uh, I, I wouldn't... You know, I'm not like 
a race singer. I just sing about the human condition. Um, yeah. And that happens to be my vantage point of things. I don't mean to write, write songs like this. It's just at the, at the essence is really just the, being a, 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 you know, human active in your environment, you know? Um, yeah. 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 They are there. <clears throat> what you're, you're, you're saying you're, you're not, you're not writing those songs because they occurred to black people. You're writing on them because they were fucked up circumstances that occurred. Yeah. It's, is that, it's, is that a correct characterization? Yeah. And it's like punk rock and yeah. sort, of, sort, of, sort of way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So by that token, are you frustrated when others are having you talk about being black and writing those songs? I wouldn't say frustrated. Um, I'd say maybe sometimes, I guess, I guess a better connect question is what's the impact when others like myself are asking you about being black. I'm calling myself out on this one, dude. Sorry, but no, I appreciate, appreciate the boldness. Um, what's the, uh, well, again, it's a natural thing to do. I do sing about these things and people are going to, mm. what they hear. And so they're going to assume, you know, yeah. I think it's incredibly natural. Um, but that being said, I'm a lot weirder than just the songs, I, you know, uh, my black identity. Um, yeah, for sure. I can see that you're very weird. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but, um, so I would, I would, you know, there's other things to talk about as well. And uh, I just cre create songs, you know. Totally. Totally. I hear you. I hear you. And um, well, that's a good transition to these Luck Mansion sessions that you did that were posted back in December. I don't know when you when you actually did those but then to hear you play the a few songs with your band which i haven't heard yet mm. uh, was amazing dude so yeah, the look. songs do stand out there alone and they are with dude that band you put together first of all there's two joshes in that band so i like that yeah uh but that's very meaningful <laughs> um <laughs> but wow that band that Car carnival mirror and by the jasmine on that were just amazing man are you gonna have you gone out on tour with your with that particular iteration of of bandmates no no i haven't yet oh well no. i can't afford them yet <laughs> yeah well they sounded great man that sounded great thanks yeah not I that i don't like you solo i want to say that i want you to get like bummed that i'm like pumping about about, about this, this band I'm, or anything as pumped as you uh, sound it sounded fucking great wow yeah Anybody go on Lucky Man? Uh, it's Luck Mansion um, series. I forget what the website is, but that's just a that's a great great performance. Um, what else did I want to talk about? Touring, future touring. So you're going out with uh, uh, soon. I think beginning of February with um, uh, Watch House Andrew Marlin, whom mm -hmm. I also had on the show. Really fun, cool dude. You guys, I can see you guys hanging out for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um uh you looking forward to that how is that um what how are you kind of seeing that right now are I you nervous about, about it like you were for the fall no <laughs> no the only thing i'm nervous about uh being on the road for the next four months um yeah because then you're going to europe right yeah knock on wood yeah let's knock on wood on that okay but uh I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Uh, you know, I'm in a, p a place where I have two records to tour now, like a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I, I released a record that I didn't get to tour my first one. And then I made a second one during the pandemic. So yep. it's cool that I have, you know, in one sense, I have all this material to play. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to play it for people. Yeah. That's your, the latest release. Uh, you, yeah, you, I, I apologize if I didn't say that at the beginning. I can't remember now. It seems like mm -hmm. a long time ago, but that was released on August 27th. It's an amazing album. Um, and a lot of these singles that we talked about are, are on that album as well. Yeah. But to get out there and have a, so does that give you a, like a level of freedom, uh, or kind of, uh, <clears throat> are you talking about having two albums because you want to play all that music or is it something that you've just got a little bit more songs to kind of take from and what does that sort of look like for you? Um, well, I, I have a good time now making a set list with, with two, those two different records and kind of intertwining. Yeah. Those two records are related. I call them cousins. Um, so, uh, it's selfish, you know. I like I like creating a, an arc in the set list of emotion mm -hmm. for me to experience with mm -hmm. that past record and this this present record. Um, yeah, yeah. Kind of making it into a sort of presentation for people to ingest. Cool, right on. I love that. Do you try to ch switch up the set list between from show to show a little bit? Yeah, I don't make set lists, so I just kind of like play. Oh, oh, cool. You get out there and you just play what comes to you. Yeah. Um, uh huh. Sometimes Within the I, time frame, uh huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for a song like Devil's Knee, <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, I don't play that unless uh, I feel like I have a spare seven minutes, uh, right? Right, but uh, yeah. or when you're in Montana, or when I'm in Montana, yeah, <laughs> you will always play that song in Montana. <laughs> oh man, well, good luck with that tour. Uh, Trey, you are you're you're amazing, dude. I really. This this was this was so totally awesome to talk to you and yeah um, man it was really fun talking to you yeah it was so cool um, best of luck man and um, hopefully I'll see you I think Watch House is coming through Chicago so um, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, maybe that's it's either with you I, I can't remember you were here back in uh, at Evanston I think I was out of town at the time so wow. sorry I missed you but um, that's a cool little venue right space in Evanston. Yeah, you really remember cool. that one? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 with the pizzeria in front. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw Allison Russell there the night before we played. Uh huh. Um, so it was just phenomenal watching her play too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, right, right on, man. Good luck to you, and uh, and uh, hang in there, man. This uh, <laughs> you're this uh, really enjoying your uh, your music and everything that you do, dude. Thanks again for being here and and having this cool conversation, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Right on, dude. Cheers. Good job. Okay, that was Trey Bird on Roadcase. I really loved that conversation with Trey. He's just a uh, super engaging and honest and vulnerable, uh, insightful human uh, that I really felt like I vibed with and just got um, uh, just uh, had a great conversation. Uh, loved talking to him. Loved his early stories about his brother's influence, getting his first guitar, uh, playing, uh, performing in high school uh, at the end of a uh, high school English class occasionally, uh, his love for busking early on, and uh, even moving on to booking his own tours initially up and down the coast, uh, using Craigslist to book dates, uh, just traveling in his um, 
I think he said Volkswagen Jetta, uh, traveling around with his acoustic guitar and a little Akai tape recorder microphone duct taped to the sound hole, uh, just total DIY beginnings. And then, uh, and then learning in 20, late in 2019 that uh, he got uh, he got onto John Prine's Oh Boy Records, who then re-released his first album, uh, and then he just absolutely took off. And his Newport Folk performance, in his words, uh, not only was just an amazing uh, once-in-a-lifetime experience to be on that level of stage and experience the respect and love of other performers at the time, but also gave him the confidence to then head out on tour this past fall with Shaky Grave. Uh, just an amazing, amazing story, an amazing human. Uh, the protest songs that he uh, that that he has written uh, under the devil's knee. Uh, for example, uh, that documents, uh, that talks about uh, the murder of George Floyd in the summer of 2020, uh, is an absolute masterpiece. And I um, I would highly urge everyone to go to go listen to that song, as well as Trey's latest album, You, Yeah, You, which was released in last August. Uh, like I said, Trey is headed out on tour uh, beginning the uh, this week of this recording, uh, February 14th, uh, starts dates in San Francisco, and then he has nas- he has nationally touring dates along with Andrew Marlin and Watch House, and then he's heading out to Europe in mid-April for uh, about six or seven weeks. Uh, he is just really on an upper traject- tra- trajectory, and he is just an amazing human. I love this guy so much. Thanks again for being here for this episode of Roadcase. We got a lot of great guests coming up in the next weeks and months to come. So glad you're here along for the ride. And I want to send a special thank you to Trey Burt for being here on this episode of Roadcase. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at Roadcase Pod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. Yeah.